Welcome to episode three of the Henry Cejudo Experiment. This episode begins in January 2006, Henry's senior year of high school. At that time, he was the number one recruit in the country. He was getting a lot of attention. Stanford, I mean, Oklahoma, everybody wanted him, right? This is Dave Hurtado, Henry's surrogate father from Colorado. I remember coming home from work and I had all these college scouts in my living room. I come in, I'm like, holy cow, there's Henry on the floor. One of the coaches was trying to show him a move and Henry's like loving all this attention. When Henry first arrived at the OTC, he broke the mold by being the first high schooler to live in Colorado Springs full time. But most still assumed that Henry would follow the traditional path of going from high school to college before tackling the Olympics. And so that January, as the scholarship offers came in, Henry took his visits. I had my visits to Arizona State, out of Oklahoma, at Minnesota, Iowa State with, uh, with Cal. As the recruiting process continued, the Olympic Training Center was sitting back thinking about their plans for Henry. I think their plan initially was to get this kid uh, to a Division One because he's so good at wrestling. But I think once they saw me getting closer and closer, like, dude, this kid could legit make an Olympic team. So as Henry was fielding scholarship offers from every major program in the country, the Olympic Training Center made their bid as to why Henry should stay at the OTC until after the Olympics. Henry's brother, Angel Cejudo. Now he has to make a decision. Is he going to go the traditional, the paradigm of high school, NCAAs, world, and Olympics? Or is he going to throw all the eggs in one basket and let's go the Olympic route? I didn't even know what he was going to do. Back to Henry. And all that changed and I went to Uregan my senior year. Held every January in Siberia, the Uregan is known as one of the toughest tournaments in the world. And even though Henry went 0-1, during his first trip to Siberia, the experience had a huge impact on him. And I remember just sitting at the arena and just watching like the whole tournament, watching everybody compete, like just fuming, man, fuming. Then I saw a bunch of Olympic champs get put out and I'm just like, holy shit, man, what is this? Henry's coach, Doc Bennett, was at the Oregon that year. I remember we had Damian Hahn on the trip who was wrestling for Minnesota. And Damian was going after him, you know, you need to come to Minnesota and wrestle and whatnot. And Henry got mad at it at one point. And I, I can remember Henry telling him, why the hell do I want to wrestle in college? I beat these NCAA champions. No, I want to be the Russian. His goals were set. He wanted to be an Olympic champion. That was his goal. After Henry's eye-opening experience at the Uregan, he flew back to Colorado Springs and announced his decision to the Olympic Training Center staff. That's when I knew this is what I want to do. I'm committed. I'm not going to college at all. Henry became the first wrestler in the modern era to skip college and focus full-time on the Olympics. Here's Daniel Cormier, two-time Olympian. You didn't have kids saying, I don't want to go to college. I just want to chase the Olympic dream. You didn't have that. You know, and Henry was one of those guys that really was the blueprint for the truly special. I mean, he chose not to go to college. This is Gary Abbott, Director of Communications for USA Wrestling. 
There are still people that can't believe that Henry Cejudo didn't just go and win some NCAA titles. But I mean, the Olympics is what he wanted. With Henry's decision in place, all was well at the OTC. Or so they thought. A month after Henry's trip to Russia, Doc Bennett, Henry's coach, received a phone call from the Coronado High School principal. I get a call. He's not going to graduate. One of the stipulations was he was expected to do well in high school. Well, Henry was, didn't come to the environment where that was real important. Henry's biggest problem was that he never bothered to do the makeup work from his trip to Russia. And so after Doc hung up from the principal, he rang Rich Bender, executive director of USA Wrestling, who told Doc, Doc, hear me clearly. (laughs) Henry Cejudo will graduate from high school. (laughs) If he doesn't graduate from high school, he's not living here. But I think Doc was a little surprised by my reaction because I was in no uncertain terms. He's out of here if he's not going to graduate. Later that afternoon, Doc was meeting with Henry and told him, You don't finish high school, you're not, you're not coming back. They're not going to do that. And I said, no, it's, it's a horrible precedent. I'm trying to bring kids in here to do this, and you don't even finish high school. Well, I'll finish high school, summer school. And I said, Henry, that won't happen. That isn't acceptable. So I said, this is priority now. We get on top of this. After that meeting, Henry met with his surrogate father, Dave Hurtado. He wanted to quit school. I was just sick of school, too. I was just sick of everything. So we took him out to lunch. I remember we went to a fast food restaurant, and we're sitting there eating. He's watching, and he goes, man, these people work hard. And I said, yeah. And not knocking fast food workers or anything, but this is where you're going to be if you don't graduate. These are the kind of jobs and the opportunities that are given to you if you don't have a high school diploma, if you don't further yourself in life. And I'm coming across, not as a coach, but more as a father figure. You're going to miss out here. You're going to, you're going to screw this up, and you're not going to be able to go to the OTC and, and do that. Do you think they're going to keep you there at the OTC if you're, if you're not a high school graduate? With two months until graduation, it was all hands on deck to get Henry's grades in order. People had to go over there and like vouch for me, like my wrestling coach. Because like, at the same time, I ain't have a good relationship with some of the teachers. I just didn't take a lot of these classes serious. Like, just so stupid, just being dumb. His coach, Terry Brands, even moved practices to accommodate for Henry's study sessions. It's almost like you're raising them up to, you know, be the best wrestler in the world, but you're still building them as people. And so you had to teach him these are the things that you're not going to get away with. And they weren't wrestling things. They weren't training things necessarily. As the semester progressed, Henry's grades began to improve. Yeah, but I was able to at least get all C's. You know, there was one where I don't know how I got a, I went from an F to an A in our class, dude. Here's Doc Bennett. So they called me back a couple weeks later, and this gal, vice president, she said, I don't know what you said to him, but you said the right thing because he's got it all done. He's fine. He'll graduate. Henry's last order of business before graduating was to wrestle at his fourth state tournament. So in late February, he headed to Denver, Colorado, to the Pepsi Center. After steamrolling through his first three opponents, Henry was sitting in his hotel room with his mentor, Dave Hurtado, when he received a phone call. He got a call from Doc Bennett. He could come and wrestle at the Schultz Tournament. 
The Schultz was a prestigious senior level tournament held in Colorado Springs every February. As a rule, the tournament didn't allow high schoolers, but they pulled some strings to make an exception for Henry. Back to Dave Hurtado. He goes, I'm out. I'm going to go wrestle in the Schultz. I said, you are not out. You're here at the state tournament with your team and going for your four state title. He goes, I don't care about the state title. I don't care about this. I don't care about the Olympics. I care about the next level. And that's how I'm going to get there is by wrestling in the Schultz. I said, there's more to life than, than that. You need to finish your responsibilities here with your team and your school and get your fourth state championship. So do you think if you wouldn't have said something, he would have gone? You were totally gone. Winning four state titles is a lifetime's achievement for most wrestlers. But to Henry, it paled in comparison to winning Olympic gold. But in the end, Henry listened to his mentor, Dave Hurtado, and won the Colorado state title, his fourth in high school. 24 hours later, Henry was back at the Olympic Training Center, ready to make a run at his first world team. You see, in wrestling, during non-Olympic years, the world championships is the pinnacle of the season. For Henry to get there, he first had to make the world team. And the first step in that process was winning the U.S. Open. U.S. Open was a huge focus. You're hearing from Bryce Hosman, Henry's roommate at the Olympic Training Center. I mean, it was a, it's the U.S. Open. It's the biggest tournament in the country other than trials. Henry's brother, Angel Cejudo. The U.S. Open, you had to show up because you wanted the top seed. If you won the Open, you sat out at the trials. So it was an important tournament for anyone to win and compete because you get to rest. The U.S. Open is held every April in Las Vegas. And while most college wrestlers don't even enter the tournament, Henry, who was still a high schooler, opened the tournament with two straight wins. And by the second day of the competition, he found himself in the semifinals. His opponent was Luke Eustace. Ended up seeing him in the semis, and I just, I inside tripped him, just beat him. In the finals, Henry had Matt Azevedo, the number one seed of the tournament. I think I was probably a little bit surprised that he was in the finals, honestly. Like, high school kid, okay, yeah, he's tough. This is Matt Azevedo. Here I am, I'm the number one seed, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to win this thing. No one's beating me. On Saturday night, April 15, 2006, Henry took the mat for his U.S. Open finals against Matt Azevedo. If he won, he'd be the first high schooler in U.S. Open history to win the title. But as the match started, Azevedo scored first and had Henry on the ropes. I was all over his legs. I was in on a single leg a lot and was unable to finish, really finish like I normally did. Here's Henry. Like he literally shot into my legs, he couldn't finish, and I was just boom, straight sprawling, dunking his head. Like if you think about it as a high school kid, the strength that I had. But as the first period came to a close, Azevedo scored on a sweep single and took the first period, which meant that Henry had to win two straight periods to take the match. Second period, there was a controversial call. I actually took him down. He tried to expose me. He got two and I got one, and he ended up winning that period that way. And then he came down to the third period, and I remember he scored on me. Again, I was winning, and he uh, you know, went, went, to, went to hit a trip. I remember faking the inside trip. I countered it. I remember Azevedo literally like pulling back and stepping back, and I remember just throwing the lateral drop. And then he, he threw me. In one of the most clutch takedowns in U.S. Open history, 
Henry threw Matt Azevedo and went on to win the third period. As he ran around the mat waving to the crowd, Azevedo kneeled at center mat and had his head down. That was a gut-wrenching loss. And yeah, to get thrown in the third period when you're winning, and then it just it's gone just like that in an instant. Henry's win over Matt Azevedo was a breakout performance. Gary Abbott, director of communications for USA Wrestling, was Matt's side. Well, the first thing I remember is whether to verify, you know, how many guys or gals had won the U.S. Open in high school. Certainly at the time, it hadn't happened. Matt Azevedo. It wasn't super common, but, you know, I guess you also saw the the value of a kid investing in his wrestling full time. Bryce Hossman, Henry's roommate. High school kid to win it, that's very rare. You know, there's a lot of guys on the senior circuit that get close to winning it, get second, get third, but very, very rare. Here's Henry. You know, winning the U.S. Open, you know, it was cool. It was a first, but at the same time, I knew that a Sammy Henson wasn't there. Sammy Henson. Henson, just so physical. He stays on your hands. My name is Sammy Henson. I'm world champ, Olympic silver medalist, Hall of Fame. To be in the kind of shape he is at age 36 is pretty remarkable. Sammy Henson was one of the most feared lightweights in American history. His nickname was The Bull. I truly believe nobody ever trained harder or smarter than me and just wanted to impose my will on, on my opponents and make them pay for all the you know sacrifice I made. After having sat out at the U.S. Open due to an injury, Henson returned to the World Team Trials and would be Henry's top threat to make the team. He was 35 years old, whereas Henry was only 19. Sammy's man, Henry's a boy. This is Doc Bennett. They don't call him the bull for no reason. I mean, he's, he's just an, an unbelievably strong. Two days after Henry skipped his high school graduation, he arrived in Sioux City, Iowa, for the 2006 World Team Trials. For Henry to make the team, he would need to win two matches against the veteran Henson. In match one, early in the first period, Henry was down by a point when he went back to his inside trip. He got some big points on me, and the crowd went crazy. I just remember the crowd, and then I was like, well, I got a lot of gas in my tank. But Henry was able to hold off Henson and won the first period. During the 30-second break, Henry's youth coach, Richard Fiembres, was in his corner, toweling him off. just remember getting Henry, rubbing him down, and just being so proud of him, too. Like, dude, Sammy Bull, you know what I mean? Like, dang, this is it. This is happening, you know? 30 seconds later... Sammy and Henry were back on the mat. Dude, it's a fight out there, but they're they're brawling. I mean, they're hand fighting, they're getting in there, and it's getting dirty. Early into the second, Henson took a lead. And then I knew, one thing about Henry, is I knew, is when his back's against the wall, he's going to go. He's a shooter, he's a fighter, he's going to go. So as soon as, he, as soon as I was up on him, I knew he was coming. As Henry pushed the offense, Henson was there to counterattack, and he went on to win match one. An hour later, Henson won match two to make the 2006 U.S. World Team. Meanwhile, Henry ducked out a back door and found a corner in the warm-up area. His coach, Terry Brands, was standing nearby. Henry certainly was prepared to make that team and make a run for a world championship. And it just didn't didn't go his way. You run into Sammy Henson. He's the bull, the original. 
And he's the bull for a reason and nothing but the highest respect for that guy. Under Terry's leadership, Henry had cemented himself as one of the great high school phenoms of all time. I had won the U.S. Open as a high schooler, made it all the way to the finals of the World Team Trials. This is where I knew I was super, super close to, uh, to being the absolute best in the world. Henry was the prodigy, and everyone knew he was going to be really special. You're hearing from Kyle Sermonara, Henry's teammate at the OTC, who watched firsthand the impact that Henry's coach, Terry Brands, had had on his incredible season. He was Terry's guy, and rightfully so. But it wasn't always, you know, perfect. It all started in June of that year. While most senior-level athletes rested after the World Trials, Terry packed Henry's schedule with three more events. First, there was Cuba for the Pan Ams, and then back to Colorado Springs for the Junior World Trials. And then they flew to Chechnya in the southwest corner of Russia. After making weight for four consecutive weeks in three different time zones, Henry was drained, and it was starting to show. When I went to Chechnya, they didn't fucking, they didn't do shit at the tournament. They didn't win a tournament. They didn't win a match. And I'm doing everything that I possibly can to be the best in the world. Just a period where I had a a shitty attitude. After going 0-4 during that trip to Russia, later that summer, Henry traveled to the Junior Worlds, but lost again when he took a second to the Russian in the finals. After I took second at Junior Worlds, man, I was just like, man, I I almost felt like I needed a, I don't know what it was, like get out or not compete for some time. I just got tired of losing. Russia started kind of being a burden a little bit. Here's Angel. Henry wanted a break. He wanted to go back home. I truly do believe maybe he thought like, all right, man, I just need a little bit of time to re-refresh and re-go. And, and he goes, Terry, I'm going to go to Phoenix. Terry was like, okay. Henry goes to Phoenix. I show up to practice. Terry's like, where's your brother? I'm like, he's in Phoenix. He goes, why isn't he in here? Terry, he said, he told me you, you gave him permission to go. He told me he was going to Phoenix. I never said yes. During the next couple of practices, whenever Angel would ask Terry for technique, Terry would respond, but you should ask us, where's your brother? And after a few days of Henry being gone, Terry told Angel, Don't come back to this room without him. And you have till this day to be back. Angel had one day to drive to Phoenix, pick up Henry, drive 12 hours back, and be at practice by 6 a.m. I get there, I'm like, dude, I gotta be back by tomorrow. And I'm fighting with Henry. Nobody said I could go. Henry, he didn't say yes. You told him you were going. He said, okay. So me and my brother drove with Henry back to Colorado Springs. The Cejudos arrived back in Colorado Springs just in time for morning practice. But it was clear to Terry that his star pupil wasn't all in. He was testing life. Like he was trying to find out how good he is, but he's trying to get away with stuff. Maybe like a like a really, really talented NFL player that comes in, gets his contract, and then he's just there. You know, and that's not Henry. He was at where I'm a phenom. He's he's buying all this stuff that people are telling him. And we had a couple of guys in the program that were, you know, hey, brands, yeah, that, that that stuff, that's not for you guys. You guys are fast twitch guys. 
you need to make a separation. You need to this, you need to that. Here's Angel. I won't say who it was, but they were like, man, you guys could be so much better. I feel like you guys need, uh, you know, this coach and that coach. Or your, his, Henry's ability to do, to, to do great stuff, he's being limited being under Terry. You know, and I'm like, man, you know, you start to get doubt, right? You start, who you listen to and who you hang out with, your environment, you start to think, well, maybe you're right. I don't know. By questioning Terry, Henry was now violating one of his coach's sacred principles, loyalty. Terry's all about principles. Your ass comes on time. Your ass gets what you got. Like, you know, you're either committed or get the hell out. As Henry was pushing the limits on his relationship with Terry, he was also dealing with one other distraction. During the previous year, Henry had fallen in love for the first time. Here's Doc Bennett. He had a relationship with a, a girl that I think he very much cared for that wasn't going right. As the relationship turned sour, Henry struggled to deal with it. And, and I think that there were just a lot of things that made him feel alone. I think, yeah, I was aware of that, but what teenager doesn't have some teenage angst? But the difference for Henry was that even though he was a teenager, he was still expected to perform as a professional. Here's his teammate, Kyle Sermonara. Breakups are tough, especially when you're trying to compete. You can't have like a week where you're like down in the dumps. Like every day is like important. Every day counts. Every workout counts. Henry would turn to Kyle when he was struggling with the breakup. You know, I'm not, I'm not like a ton older than Henry, but the difference between like a 24 year old and like an 18, 19 year old is substantial. So like we would coach him through it. You know, you got to get past it. You got to get past it. A few weeks after his breakup, Henry flew to Phoenix, Arizona for the Sunkiss Kids Tournament, the beginning of the 2006-2007 season. So Henry's head wasn't in the right spot, but he went anyway. You're hearing from Kyle Sermonara. He was at the Sunkiss Kids Tournament that year. The Sunkiss Open at the time was a very prestigious domestic tournament. The tournament was held on the campus of Arizona State, just 18 miles from where Henry grew up. So his youth coach, Richard Fimbres, brought a group of wrestlers to watch their local hero, Henry Cejudo. We wanted to see, you know, everything he was learning over at the OTC. We wanted to see him, you know, drill. We wanted to just to be around him. So we're all there, we're all pumped up, and we're expecting to win this thing. As Coach Richard and the Maryville Club took their seats, they watched Henry step onto the mat for his first match of the day. Here's Kyle Sermonara. He won his first match, and then he lost. But it was not like a super well-known guy. It wasn't like anyone close to as good as Henry. But he lost. And then he didn't come back. And, you know, Terry used to say, get the next best thing. Like, if you can't get first, you get third. And he just disappeared. Coach Richard again, who now was standing with a group of youth wrestlers who were heartbroken after their favorite wrestler, Henry Cejudo, defaulted out of the tournament. Yeah, that was very disappointing. I think that was probably the most upsetting thing because we went there specifically to watch him wrestle. That was our boy. That's who we wanted to see. As Richard stood there trying to console the Maryville kids, Henry was over two miles away from the arena. I remember leaving everything behind, literally uh, 
not coming back for my second match, like just leaving. And I think from there, I'm just like, hey, man, I'm getting out of here. So we just came up with the idea to travel to, for me to not tell anybody anything and just leave for a whole week to San Diego. And the, the, the crazy part about it is I, I ain't have an ID. So what I ended up saying, I ended up telling my brother, hey, let me borrow your ID. Angel Cejudo. Because he didn't have an ID to travel. So at that point, we looked very similar. I gave him what I had, which was my ID. I think he ended up booking a flight to San Diego. And I ended up taking his ID and pretty, pretty much jumping on the plane with his own ID. Just the stupidest things ever, dude. And uh, they didn't get caught. No one had no idea where he was at. Including Henry's coach, Terry Brands. You know, instead of facing off and telling Terry, hey, this is what I need, Terry, we just decided not to say nothing and disappear. Two days after the tournament, Henry was waking up on a friend's couch in San Diego. But out in Colorado Springs, Terry Brands was opening the wrestling room for Monday morning practice. I didn't see him. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess now we know. Terry then went to Henry's roommate, Bryce Hosman. Terry was going around asking everybody, like, do you know where he's at? And Terry was pissed. But yeah, Terry was as confused as, as anybody. He asked, I think, everybody. In a Terry Brands program, where even the sick had to report before getting a day off, pulling a no-call, no-show for practice was unthinkable. There's just rules. Terry's not one of them guys that you veer from that shit. After Terry couldn't find Henry at the OTC, he called his older brother, Alonzo Cruz. Coach calls us and he's like, hey, uh, if your brother doesn't get his shit together, he's going to lose us. He's not going to wrestle. He's probably going to end up losing his scholarship here. It's all going to be for nothing. After being gone for over a week, Henry showed up to Monday morning practice. Here's Terry Brands. I remember exactly where he was standing. He was standing at that, that door that comes into the wrestling room in Colorado Springs. And I walked up to him. I go, hey, I don't have time right now. I don't have time right now to deal with this, but you're out of here until we talk. Come back at 5.30 or whatever. He was like, nah, I'm going to practice. And I go, you're out. You come back at 5.30, we'll talk, you're out. He goes, well, I'm going to get dressed and I'm going to practice. I said, I'm calling campus security if you come in this room or I will throw you out myself, which I probably couldn't have. You know, I mean, you're talking about Henry Cejudo. He would have throttled me, right? Here's Henry. And Terry Brown's like, hey, get out. Tell me when you're, when you're truly committed, I want you in this room, but get out. As soon as he said, get out, I'm not going to fight this dude. Like, oh, I'm out of here. Halfway across the wrestling room, Angel was going through practice as he watched this whole thing unfold. I remember Terry going, get out and don't come back. He goes, no, nah, Terry. He goes, no, you're not ready. Get out. And I'm like, whoa. And he just walks out. I'm like, oh, no, he, this time he really did it. Later that day, Henry was sitting in Terry's office. He came in, and that's when I laid it out. I said, you're out of the room till Halloween. And it was like the 3rd of October. After Terry laid down his verdict, Henry came back with a counterargument. He goes, I'm good, I'm good, I got it. I know, I get it, I got it. I can't do that, it's going to kill me. And I go, then it'll kill you. Here's Henry. You know, he said, hey, if this is what you want, then do it. But if you don't, you know, do what you got to do. If your goal is to really be the best in the world, an Olympic champion, there's a price that has to be paid. I'm not here to baby you. Back to Terry. But if you're going to be with the U.S. resident freestyle program, 
you're going to do it the way you've always done it when you've been here. You're not half in. You're either with us or you're not. And if you're not, I'm not better. I'm not saying I'm right. We're just different and we're going we're gonna to do it that way. And if you're not willing to do it that way, then go ahead and don't. And I wish you the best. I truly, truly wish you the best. And that's how it's always been with me. With just over 22 months until the Beijing Games, Henry was on his own for the next month. Thanks for listening to Episode 3 of the Henry Cejudo Experiment, a six-part series on how a high school phenom became a test subject for USA Wrestling. If you love the show, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the show. We're available on every major listening platform. If you want to help support the podcast, check out our merch at store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have t-shirts, hoodies, and an exclusive poster from the Henry Cejudo Experiment. For more content, check out our YouTube page, Wrestling Changed My Life. The Henry Cejudo Experiment was written, edited, and directed by me, Ryan Warner. Writing and editing by Raleigh Peterkin. Production assistant, Dusty Cress. Business manager, Tanner Warner. Original score by Gary Lanelli. A special thank you to Chael Sonnen, Henry, and Angel Cejudo. We'll see you in episode four of the Henry Cejudo Experiment.